from WUSC News. I'm Brady Fitzgerald, and this is The Countdown. It felt different being at the game, but it's the same old Gamecocks. Last Saturday at William Bryce, the Gamecocks once again got all of our hopes up just to crush them painfully at the end. you got to ask yourself, will Muschamp's calls from the game make him the first coach fired, or can the team fight to keep his job alive? Plus, tomorrow the, tomorrow the Gamecocks play Florida and major underdogs. Is there any way South Carolina can pull, up, pull the upset over Gainesville? All that coming up on The Countdown. Hello, I'm Brady Fitzgerald. I'm here today with sports reporter from WUSC and executive producer of Capital City Sports, Tom Santanello. How are you doing today, Tom? Doing well, Brady. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be on. It's good to see you. Um, so were you at the game this Saturday? I was not. I'm saving my one student ticket for later in the season, but I was watching, and you, you hit it right there in the intro. It was hard to watch sometimes. Yes, definitely. It was, uh, it was rough at the beginning, but we, we, came, we found a way. So we got everyone's hopes down, and we found a way to bring everybody's hopes right back up just to painfully crush it at the end. So, um, so Colin Hill's first start was this week. What do, you, do you have any thoughts on him? Any, uh, any first, first initial thoughts? I was actually pretty impressed with what I saw out of Colin Hill. You know, his first start in the SEC, first start here at South Carolina. He obviously had the familiarity with Mike Bobo's offense. There's some transitional pains coming over from CSU, but obviously him and Shai Smith wasted no time taking advantage of that connection, using that chemistry. But all in all, I, he did have that one pick six. The ball is a little behind Shai Smith, but I, I attribute that to a drop more than anything else. I thought Colin Hill looked good. I think he's going to continue to progress throughout the season, assuming he can stay healthy. So for the first time in a while, I think Gamecock fans could be pretty excited about the quarterback they have back there. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I thought the uh, the pick six wasn't really his fault. Uh, he had some some dumb mistakes, like of course the uh, the cat, like when the the ball got bad and he caught that ball, that basically counted as a sack. So uh, that was pretty dumb. But he's you know just some kinks week one. Uh, but I think he played really well, and I actually wanted him to throw more throughout the game. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something we've seen throughout South Carolina over the years. Is they are just dead set on establishing the run early, and if it doesn't work early, they're going to keep running and running and running, no matter how it's working no matter what the game situation's like and I think that's where a lot of frustration comes from Gamecock fans we were hoping that's going to change with office, a new offensive coordinator and Mike Bobo a great offensive mind and this week against the Florida Gators I just don't think that they're going to be able to say we're going to run the ball and that's what's going to carry us home against a team that puts up points like Florida they're going to have to air it out and they're going to have to take advantage of some matchups on the outside and hopefully we can see it earlier because it seemed like the first half like Every single first down was either a one-yard dump off or a uh, or a carry with the running back that didn't really get anywhere. Uh, but uh, Kevin Harris, he ended up with a, a decent game. Um, it just the game plan it just you know didn't really make any sense with what they like when they were trying to run and when they weren't. Yeah, it seemed like they weren't trying to put too much on Con Hill's plate. And you know what? In his first start, I actually like that. You know, I would have liked to see them air it out a little bit more instead of the dink and dunk type offense. But it was working a little bit early in the first half. You saw that first drive. For the first time in forever, it seemed like the offense had it rolling from the get-go. They had that three-yard touchdown run from Kevin Harris. Yeah. The offense looked okay. Yeah, the offense, it, did, it did came, out, came out good. Uh, then it slowed down a little bit. And then the second half, it seemed like it just picked back up right at the end. And so we were talking about this before. Uh... Towards the end of the game, we were in our own in our own territory, but it was like fourth and one, maybe fourth and two, but it was it was very short, and we didn't go for it, and we punted. Uh, you liked the call. Uh, people that I was with, 
and at the game, because I went to the game, uh, we did not like that call. So you want to explain? Yeah, we were on the wrong side of the 50. In a tight game like that, I don't think that that was the right time to take a chance there. You know, Later in the game, you obviously had that fourth down where a lot of fans wanted Muschamp to go for it when it's a seven-point game. But he obviously kicked the field goal. And that fourth and short, you know, Shai Smith just didn't get to the six. I like kicking it, letting your defense make a play. And it obviously worked out for him. They just didn't work out overall in the game. Yeah, I think the uh, the initial problem with that, with the, the field goal at the end, was it, they needed seven points anyway. So I guess they wasted this whole drive because they didn't get seven points. And people just didn't really have faith in our defense at the end of the game, which they ended up actually making a play. And we had a chance, but... Sadly, our special teams was not paying attention. Yeah, if there's anything you can count on from Muschamp's team. I know the defense didn't look great. Honestly, that was my biggest issue with the game. But Muschamp's defenses, they perform. The talent is there on defense. Muschamp has been done a great job recruiting ever since he got here. The pieces are there. They just need to put it together now. And I think that's my biggest issue with the Muschamp era here at South Carolina. The talent's been there. The pieces have been there. Just the execution hasn't been. So going forward, not just this week, but following, if Muschamp wants to keep his job, how he develops these players and what they look like throughout the season is going to be huge. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's been it's been a while. I mean, the, the de- they should be clicking by now, and it just hasn't been. So how do you think they're going to do next week uh, versus Kyle Trask? I think this one gets ugly early, to be honest with you, Brady. The Florida Gators, in my opinion, are the best team in the SEC. I know Alabama's there. I know Georgia's there. I just think that this is the year for Florida to stand out and this is the year that Dan Willing gets them over the hump not just a New Year's Six team but they're a college football playoff team Kyle Trask went 30 of 42 over 400 yards those six touchdowns which is tied for the most ever by an SEC quarterback frankly if you're not on the Kyle Trask hype train for the Heisman this is gonna be your last chance to get it I think he has a huge day and I think that they just put up a bunch of points over on USC regardless of how good I think that secondary is I just think there's too many weapons for Florida yeah there are definitely too many weapons for Florida like I'm looking at the game stats now like Kyle Kyle Pitts is gonna have a field day uh no matter who's covering him because they also got to cover uh Tevin Grimes and uh the the Tony I don't know how to pronounce his first name but so I wasn't gonna try but I mean everybody like everyone was just having like three catches and like all these and 11 yards per catch I mean he was balling out and so you're you're calling the hype train now you're calling the Heisman already after week one I don't know that I'm calling he's gonna win the Heisman but I watched Kyle Trask perform this weekend and it seemed like a very Joe Burrow-esque type performance ironically Joe Burrow is the only other quarterback who's thrown for six touchdowns in the SEC historically but just the way he distributed the football obviously Kyle Pitts had those eight catches and those four touchdowns so he was doing whatever he wanted it didn't matter who Ole Miss put in front of him but Trask found 11 different receivers on the day Javon Grimes had a nice day Kadarius Toney was great in space just both as a runner and a receiver I think that there's just too much firepower offensively for the Gamecocks to match up with no matter how good you think that secondary is yeah, I I agree, and I don't think our offense, as as well as the uh, the misses, the old miss uh, offense, eventually played. Uh, I still don't think it's going to be a similar game where they're just not going to be able to keep up score wise. Yeah, I think that the offense has a chance to take a step forward this weekend. No, one of the big question marks I do have about Florida is what's their defense going to look like. I was pretty shocked when I saw how easily Ole Miss was moving up and down the field. So we'll see what Mike Bobo has schemed up for this week I just think that it's gonna be too much offense from Florida so regardless of what our offense looks like and how Colin Hill looks in week two I just think that Kyle Trask Kyle Pitts Kadarius Tony, name someone on that offense I think that they spell matchup nightmare for the South Carolina defense no I definitely agree and it's it's a shame I, have you seen the uniforms that we're wearing down there we're wearing the all-white Stormtrooper ones. They're they, wearing the Stormtroopers my favorite yes they look very clean and it's gonna be a shame that we're gonna get slaughtered in them but um, so what would you say your score prediction is for the game? 
Well, going into the game, Florida, the line just actually moved in USC's favor. They're now only 16.5 point underdogs, but I think Florida covers that with ease, to be quite honest with you. I think that it's going to be a three to four score game for most of the game. South Carolina might threaten to cover. You know, they have that section on uh, Scott Van Pelt show, Bad Beats. You know, maybe South Carolina yeah. will get a late score and they'll cover and someone's going to blow it. But I think Florida wins this game 42 21, and I can say that with relative confidence that Florida's going to cover. Yeah, I was thinking uh, I was thinking even something lower than because I thought their defense looked uh, like pretty good, the Florida one, and I feel like they could get, could get a little ugly. Uh, so. I just feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like it could be even 17, like, 40 game. But you never know, and I hope I hope uh, we could at least cover. That would be cool to be on the, the bad beats and try to cover late game. But uh, I just don't have that much confidence in it. Yeah, I think that the Florida defense, historically they've just been great, especially when Dan Mullen's been there with Todd Grantham. You know, they're missing pieces, C.J. Henderson. But Kyra Elam is one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the country, in my opinion. And if you look at the stats... Florida's middle linebacker, Ventrell Miller, he doesn't just fill holes. He fills holes with bad intentions. I think that he's one of those guys that Colin Hill's going to have to know where he is at all times or someone's going to get their clock wrong. It's, he just comes laying the wood. It's hard to watch sometimes. Yes, uh, and they I was just about to say, they didn't get a lot of sacks last week, so maybe if we can keep the uh, keep the sacks down, try to keep the turnovers down, we can make this competitive. But I just you know don't see that's, that happening. Yeah, just like in, you know, if you go to any sort of game where you're a big underdog, the recipe is simple. Keep your quarterback upright, stay ahead of the chains, don't get in the third and long, take care of the football. Ball possession is going to be huge this week. I think South Carolina is going to have to let their defense rest, keep that high-powered offense from Florida on the sidelines. I just don't know that the pieces are there offensively for South Carolina to be able to do that, and that's why I just have doubts that they're going to be able to hang with Florida for more than a quarter or two. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like you're right. So uh, do you think this comes down to the end of uh... – end of will that's hard to say i think that especially in a covid year where there's so much uncertainty and there's so many moving parts it's hard to jump off a coach like that but fans are tired after last week they were calling for his job but i think that's just typical south carolina game clock fans the second there's signs of trouble they're calling for someone's job (laughs) i think that he's done a great job recruiting all his players seem to love him but i think he's going to lose this week pretty handily but what happens next is going to determine whether or not he keeps his job if south carolina recovers you know they have vanderbilt which should be a winnable game the following week if they can recover win that game with string together one or two and then finish the season five and five six and four i think he keeps his job but i people know more than me i can't make any predictions on that no and i think i think personally if it wasn't like if he didn't get fired after this last game then he's not gonna get fired until he loses another game that we're supposed to win you know this is the number right the number three ranked ranked team so we're not going to be able to you know it we're we're underdogs so we're supposed to lose this game so i feel like if we get you know, if we get stomped, then it's not going to be, like, on him, you know? Yeah, I think if you, you know, look at the other sports world, I think it's going to be a lot with coaches, with teams like the Jets and the NFL. Like, if they look competitive against Florida, I think you ha- that has to be a win for Gamecock fans, and it has to be a morale boost for the team. I'm not one that's in the moral victories. You either win the game or you lose the game. But if South Carolina can find a way to hang, slow down that offense, you know, if they can get that secondary, which I thought looked pretty bad last week, which is pretty surprising because I thought that between Israel Mugwamu, J.C. Horn, Jamie Robinson, I thought that was the real strength of their defense, and they just did not look good. It didn't help that Mugwamu was out for half the game with that groin injury, but how they respond to all these weapons, if they can make Florida run the ball and keep the ball on the ground, maybe they got a shot, but how they play this week is going to be big, just how they move forward, because I don't think many people are giving them a shot to win, so if they can hang with them, I think that's just a lot about the character of the program. Yeah, I I. I think you're right. It, it, again, with the, I don't also I also don't really believe in the moral victories, but uh, it definitely would 
be a quote unquote more victory if we can hang in this game. So uh, it's funny with the secondary. I also like uh, Silo Sanders a lot, the Deion Sanders son. I hope he uh, he can step up, get some get some more reps, and try to develop to be a key part of the secondary. Yeah, Shiloh came in with that class that also had Zach Pickens, who I actually was pretty impressed with last week. He was in the backfield for most of that uh, evening. He was making life hard for the Tennessee offensive line, and Tennessee's offensive line is no joke. They've got some big boys up there. Florida is going to be the same way. So if Pickens can have another good day, make life hard for Kyle Trask because he was sitting back there for eight seconds, eventually he's going to find someone open. So if Pickens can get it going, maybe the back half of the defense can pick it up too. Sanders, I thought, looked okay last week. You know, He's decent in coverage. He's a good tackler. He's obviously got that good. He's got the good genes from his dad. So maybe he gets a little bit of a pregame prep talk from his dad, and that <laughs> propels him to a big performance. You know, Mukwamu last week had the three picks. Excuse me, not last week. Last year against Georgia, big underdog had those three picks. Maybe this is Shiloh's time to shine, but time will tell. Yeah. So uh, no, I definitely agree, and I think we need to definitely get in the backfield. We got to make sure Trask is uncomfortable. We can't let him because he'll pick us apart no matter who's playing well if we don't have any pressure on him. Right, and I think that's where you're going to have to look to guys like J.J. and Agbar or Jordan Birch, the stud freshman who I thought looked great last week. You know, they lost Javon Kinlaw. Who do they turn to now? Who's that, who's that presence on the defensive line that's going to make life hard for opposing quarterbacks week in and week out? You know, South Carolina and T-Rob, they think that it could be an Agbar. I thought so, too. I thought he looked really good last week. So how he performs against an elite offensive line, an elite quarterback— you know Dan Mullen, that offensive wizard, he's scheming up something to like, keep J.J. out of the backfield. So we'll, ha- we'll just have to wait and see. I think Muschamp's going to have to lean on what people know him for, which is great defenses, and he's going to have to prove that this week if they have any shot. Yes, I 100% agree. And uh, it just, I feel like there's, uh, I, I feel like if, that, if we can get in the backfield, there's a chance we can keep it close. But other than that, it's like Tennessee was just kind of picking us apart a little bit whenever we didn't have pressure. And... Um, it felt like every time there was like a third and long, it felt like we could get we could get of course we could get a stop. I mean it's third and long, but uh, that's really what we need to put them in the situation of. Right, I, you know, again, I think third downs are going to be huge. Last week, Florida went six to ten on third downs against Ole Miss. Granted, they really didn't need to worry about down and distance too often because it was just Kyle Trask throw it up to Kyle Pitts, another seventy yard touchdown. Go ahead, big fella, but. South Carolina's defense actually held Tennessee to 1-12 on third down. So if you're talking about situational football, that's great. If they can convert in the red zone offensively and if they can get Florida off the field on third down, that's the type of thing that's that's how you build an upset. Do the little things right, win the situations, win the down and distance. Stuff like that is going to be huge. Win the turnover battle, that's another huge one. They need possession, they need to keep Kyle Trask on the sideline. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, we had zero turnovers last week, uh, besides the missed field goal, which I count as a turnover. Um, but yeah, it, we definitely need to get some turnovers, um, whether it's a fumble or a pick. But uh, for sure, that's what we need, to, we need to get done, and that's how you build an upset. You're right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, They did have that one pick six, and I, who even knows if you count that Cam Smith fumble as a turnover. Yes, it's actually a fumble, but part of that's just bad luck. Part of that's just poor execution on the part of the special teams, which you know, special teams can clearly win you, or they can obviously lose you a game. So how they respond, you know, you're going to see two of the best specialists in the league, if you ask me. Parker White's a great kicker. Evan McPherson over at Florida, he hit like a 57-yarder last week, and it looked like it would have been good from 70. So, you know, we might have a kicker's duel. You never know. Those are always fun to watch when teams are trading field goals. And, you know, that might bode well for South Carolina if they're making Florida settle for field goals. If they can keep them out of the end zone, limit those points, 
But the biggest thing is just how does South Carolina respond? I think that's just the big theme, not just for this game, but the entire season. South Carolina is going to get hit in the mouth. This is an all-SEC schedule. They should not expect any layups the entire season. So they're going to get punched in the mouth. How do they counter? How do they respond? Yeah, exactly. We don't have our uh, our Coastal Carolina to play this year to make us look really good. So we need a. It's definitely it's a it's going to be a hard year. And with this new schedule, with because of COVID, we're just going to need to be on top of our game and be ready for everyone. So that's a great point about bouncing back. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Like we like we've both hit on a couple times. We don't think that South Carolina is going to be able to bounce back or take those punches and counter and stuff like that. Just because offensively, I don't think they have the weapons. I think both teams are really looking for. Who's that number two option? Florida, obviously, Kyle Pitts is your number one guy. If you're a defensive coordinator and you're not trying to take Kyle Pitts away, you're just not watching Florida's film. But who does South Carolina turn to? Shai Smith obviously had 10 catches, 140 yards in that touchdown last week. But who do they turn to? Xavier Leggett flashed a little bit. Nick Muse, he did have that crucial drop late in the game. But he's obviously a talented guy who can do some things in space. Who is South Carolina going to turn to? The run game, like you said, didn't look great. Only 89 yards on the day. Deshaun Fenwick looked okay. Kevin Harris looked okay. If Florida's able to take Shai Smith away, how do the Gamecocks respond? What does that offense look like now that their number one option is canceled? Yes, that's it. Uh, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, I'm worried about if Shai Smith, like, because so he's emerging. Hopefully, he can turn out to be our number one wide receiver. But he's uh, he's our only one right now. So if we if we end with that, then we're like, if they take that away, then we're gonna have to trust on some guys that have not proven themselves yet. Right, and I think what's going to be big later on in the season is whether or not Jalen Brooks's waiver appeal goes through. The Gamecocks obviously love him. All the reports that have practiced have been great. They say he's a legitimate Division One receiver. He's obviously coming from Winthrop, but for whatever reason, the NCAA just hasn't approved that waiver, which seems to be a little bit of program bias. I hate to say it like that, but you got guys like JT Daniels coming over from USC and getting approved instantly. Or I forget his name. There's a quarterback over at Kentucky approved right away. So what's the difference here with Jalen Brooks, especially in a year where eligibility doesn't count? Why hasn't the NCAA given Jalen Brooks that waiver? Because Gamecock fans need him, but more importantly, the Gamecock offense needs him. Yes, and you were talking about the bias. Uh, we Some of those calls were a little questionable in the game. Hate to admit it, and I hate to, like, you know, we didn't lose because of the refs, but uh, there was definitely some questionable calls that everyone in the stadium was frustrated about. So, uh, and I've heard that that's, that's kind of a theme when it comes to South Carolina. Not only a theme when it comes to South Carolina, maybe even a theme when they play play Florida if you remember Will Muschamp had that he just lost it last year after that Florida game there's a lot of questionable calls in that game called the refs gutless after the game <laughs> fans were throwing water bottles and rallies house onto the field it was the most hostile I've ever seen Williams Price when it comes to officiating you know you hear a lot of things when you're down on that sideline every sort of expletive you can imagine was used by those Gamecock fans so you know obviously you never hope that the refs play a factor in any game we'll see if they do tomorrow hope not but Regardless, I don't think that the refs are going to have that big of an impact. I think there's just too much power for Florida. Yes, but I, I do think there was a couple questionable calls when it came into the Tennessee game. And it could have swayed could have swayed at the end of the game, but um, in the end, we had a chance to win, and we did not take it. You just put it right there on the head. I don't think the refs had anything to do with whether or not South Carolina won or lost that game. It was just lack of execution when they needed to. All right, yeah. So um, I think that's all we got for today. So, Tom, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brady. Um, happy to be on whenever. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so this was the first episode. So that does it. Oh, wait. So, okay. So other things that happened this week. Um, Tom, if you want to discuss a little bit. So the NBA Finals started last uh, last Thursday. And it was kind of a slaughter by the Lakers. So that's, that's what happened there. Uh, another upset in the SEC was uh, Mississippi State over LSU. That was a big upset that we did not expect to happen. Um, and then Monday Night Football, we had the uh, the Ravens that we're supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, and uh, 
they just they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle their firepower, and uh, they couldn't play from behind. So that's kind of really what happened in the big things that happened in other things in sports. Well, that does it for the countdown. The music for the show is called No Time to Lose by Morning Light Music. The countdown is a production of WUSC News and is produced by myself, Brady Fitzgerald, and Ward Jollis. If you like what you hear and want to check out other WUSC News podcasts, head over to GarnetMediaGroup.org. Well, that's it for the week, and the countdown ends in three, two, one.